0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today I'm taking a look at what the Word of God has to say about ordinary believers. Are there ordinary believers? Yeah, there's you and there's me. God takes ordinary believers and what he does is he influences people who are going to become somebody's in the body of Christ. This is what we're gonna talk about today when Ananias received a word from the Lord to go and instruct the man who was the most life-changing person of the New Testament outside of Jesus Christ, and that's Paul the Apostle. Let's go to the Word of
1: God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian.
0: Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. I just wanna ask you a question. Have you ever felt like a nobody standing next to a somebody it may be somebody that's in your organization or somebody's in your same field and uh, you're standing next to him. You've learned so much from their books, so much for their teaching, all these other things. And here you are standing next to them and you suddenly have a loss of words. I mean, that's what kind of respect you have for them. It's happened to me quite often growing up in the things of God. I, I learned to know people and hear about people. And oftentimes, I mean, I knew people that were somebodies at the time in the body of Christ, but my dad would introduce them. I kind of knew them. And I had some kind of relationship with them. But I remember when I worked for Kenneth Hagin Ministries and it was a teacher at Raymond Bible Training Center. Uh, one day, one famous minister was coming to town. Brother Hagin was going to introduce him, but Brother Hagin got called out of town and came to me and said, I want you to introduce him. Well, I mean, I, I stammered, I stuttered. This was a man I read after, a man I listened to his teachings. And I had such high respect for him. I felt like a nobody standing next to a somebody. I did not have a relationship with him like I did with other ministers. I had nothing personal to put into this. I just looked at him and all I saw was just this high standing man in the body of Christ. Well, I stammered and stuttered because he wanted me to introduce him. I stammered and stuttered through that introduction and managed to get him introduced. But man, I was sweating the whole time I was doing it. But you see, this is something. I was standing there and I'm what God chooses. He's not what God chooses. What God chooses is not somebody at the moment who thinks they're a somebody. He goes after people that are basically nobody so he can retrain them. To choose a nobody God sweats the somebody out of them, then remakes them into a nobody. He can then remake into a somebody. What am I saying here? I'm simply saying God wants you to be a somebody, but it's somebody he created, something he can use in you, not your own arrogance, not your own pride, not your own thinking, oh, my famousness is really going to help the body of Christ. This is not what God is looking for. To feel like a nobody is a great step in the right direction. God looks for nobodies to use. Throughout the word of God, when he found a somebody, somebody, again, he had to sweat that somebody out of them. Moses was one of them. He was known. He could succeed Pharaoh if Pharaoh ever was to step down. He was sent to Midian after God chose him for 40 years so that God could take and make him into a nobody that then God could use. Then God remade Moses into a somebody he could use, a man that depended on God, not depended on himself. A man that looked for the supernatural way out of it, not natural ways out of it. And then Moses ended up being the great deliverer and the most famous of the uh, writers of the Old Testament, as well as the most famous prophet of the Old Testament, New Testament, Saul of Tarsus, a somebody, a Pharisee sent to Arabia by God until he became a nobody. It took 14 years for this to happen. Then remade Saul into a somebody that eventually became Paul the apostle. Let me give you some other ones found in the word of God. There are six nobodies in a row found in uh, the book of Matthew chapter one that are talking about in the Old Testament. Rahab was a Canaanite, a former prostitute. She married one of the spies that came to rescue her and his name was Salmon, and so he was a Jew, but an unknown. Ruth is known in the Old Testament because she was a Moabitess. And through Naomi, she married her kinsman redeemer, Boaz, who was a Jew. And the only time we find about Boaz is in the book of the Old Testament book of Ruth. Then we read about Bathsheba, who was a Hittite, who married David, who started out as a nobody, a shepherd, a Jew, and they married. And so in Matthew chapter one, verses five and six, Ruth and Boaz became great, great grandparents of David. And they were all linked together not knowing it, but the Bible puts them all together in two verses. The reason why I say this is because I pastored for 33 years and you know what? I would look back on my past that, again, I was raised in a Christian family, saved at a young age, five years old, filled with the Holy Spirit, seven years old. I could go down the list. I just never left church. I was always in church. Every time the church doors were open, my dad told me we were going and we went. Later on when I became married, that, that just stuck with me and we just stayed faithful to church all that time. I had jobs. I had good jobs until the day you know I went to Bible school. I had some good jobs along the way. But when I became uh, headed toward the ministry, it's like I just was hidden in the the back. Nobody knew who I was. And so uh, eventually, I became a teacher at Raymond Bible Training Center, and then later on became a pastor of a church. And I had that church for 33 years. And because I was basically a nobody, you know, God could use me and tremendously use me. I was always open up to Him. And on top of that, I didn't have any trouble taking input from anybody in the church. I didn't care if they were an usher or a greeter or just a, a church attender, or else if it was another minister that came to the church. I looked for help in my ministry from anybody that would give in it. And so I've heard ministers tell me this: I only take criticism or ask for help from other pastors or ministers that I respect. I only listen to my peers. Well, this is sad because in the word of God, you know, there's, there's advice coming from all types of directions. I've heard people say in ministers, I don't accept criticism or advice from my congregation. Well, if God spoke in the Old Testament through a donkey, aren't your people better than a donkey? Donkeys can't be filled with the Holy Spirit or go to heaven, yet one of them helped straighten out a prophet in the Old Testament. Personal examples of how God uses ordinary believers is this. One church member told me one time I was his third pastor. And how long was I gonna be faithful and remain at the church. He said he had been there through the first and second pastor, and here I was teaching on faithfulness to attend church. And I told him, you know what? You're right. I have told the entire congregation they're supposed to be here, but I didn't tell them I'm going to stick around. I got up the next Sunday and told them, if you wonder how long I'm going to be here, my wife and I plan on being here until eventually we die. I plan on dying in the pulpit. What a wonderful way to, you know, for me to end my life is doing what I love most of all, ministering the word of God. And then the ushers come and drag me out, and my associate pastor finished the sermon. Well, I was immediately met by doctors after the service, tell me how horrible that would be. And, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking ahead. And so I told them, look, 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 it was really kind of a joke. I just want you to know how dedicated to the church I'm going to be. Another man came and told me some insight into a Bible story of the man that was let down through the roof. And uh, he told me some things that he said I saw from it. And I said, well, that's interesting. I said, you know, for that to be true, that particular word would have to be in the perfect tense in the Greek. I went and looked it up and you know what? It was the perfect tense. This guy that came to me didn't know Greek. He just looked at the verse of scripture and a thought came to him and he gave it to me. And guess what? His thought was from the Holy Spirit. Yet to be open to anybody because anybody can lead you and guide you. Let me ask you a question. Are you open as a Christian to learn from ordinary believers? You know, staff in church, is it beneath you to receive insight from a church member? You know, if a person comes up to you and all they do is a greeter at the front door and you think, well, you're just a greeter at the front door, and they offer you some advice, Why don't you open up and listen? Because you know what? They're out there where the people come into the church. They see things you don't do and you need to be open to it. Throughout the word of God, we find that people were open. Moses was open as his father-in-law gave him information on what he should do. So it comes back to this. Don't judge the one instructing you. Why? Because it's possible. Hebrews 13, 2, you may be speaking to an angel unawares. You don't know if that person is a human or possibly an angel from heaven. But the beauty of it is, is you need to be open because God can instruct you through anybody. On the day of Pentecost, the door was thrown wide open to nobodies. Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 18 says this. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. If you have room in your Bible, underline the word all, All flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, unheard of in the Old Testament. Only prophets could prophesy. But now your sons and daughters who don't even have the position or the calling or the office of a prophet. Philip's four daughters, later on in the book of Acts, were not prophets or prophetesses, but notice what it did it said they did prophesy. Anybody can prophesy in the New Testament. The Bible says that is open to everyone. You can all prophesy. It goes on to say there in, in the book of Acts chapter 2, it says, your young men will see visions. This is Peter and Cornelius. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men's servants, you know what a men's servant, it's a guy that cuts your lawn. He just happens to be working for you. And you often look out there and say, oh, there's a guy cutting the lawn. You don't think a thing about him. You start out cutting longs, lawns. Others did the same thing, but you look at him, don't even see the potential in it. He could be somebody that could turn around and prophesy to you. It says on my men's servants and on my maid servants. That's the lady that cleans your house. That's the ones that comes and vacuums your floor. This is what this is talking about. The ones we often see as kind of low in society can be so important to God. He can use them. Why? Because they have the right heart before him. They are nobodies who know they're nobodies and don't care if they're nobodies. And the one that's going to fashion them into a somebody is the Holy Spirit. And he says there upon my maid servants, again, the one that cleans your house, I'll pour out of my spirit in those days. Notice this, the Holy Spirit is upon everyone. I'll pour of my spirit upon all flesh, your sons, your daughters, your young men, your old men, your men's servants, your women's servants. Unlike the Old Testament, today the Holy Spirit can come on any believer and when he does, he stays fabulous. This wasn't done in the Old Testament. He came on them for a while, then departed from them. Any believer can become an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, evangelist, or teacher, or even if not advise an apostle. They don't have to come from the right Jewish tribe. Ananias was an ordinary believer. Acts chapter nine, we're gonna take up his story in this particular broadcast at this moment, then after the break, we're gonna talk about this ordinary believer found in Acts chapter nine, verses 10 through 18. And here's how it starts in verse 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus. He was basically a nobody, but notice he's called a certain one. Whenever the word certain is used in the book of Acts, it's pointing out they are key to the story and key to the entire book. So there was a certain disciple Disciple at Damascus named Ananias. To him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. God was already using deacons, Stephen and Philip. Unheard of in the Old Testament, just guys that worked around the place, cleaned up the place, Uh, again, you know, uh, helped the widows. God was already using deacons, Stephen and Philip, and Ananias was just called a certain disciple. You know what this means? chosen by God to be used, but also a disciple, someone mature in the things of God." Who was Ananias? Saul killed most Christians in Jerusalem, and now he's headed to Damascus. He's run out of Christians in Jerusalem to kill. He has killed so many. He's looking around, there's hardly anybody left. We often diminish the amount of, of terrible things Saul was doing, but now we find out he was running out of Christians in Jerusalem, and now he heads to Damascus. Where's Damascus? In Syria, I mean, he's going to another country now to look for Christians. Ananias was not a pulpit minister. He was a disciple. There's no such thing as a Christian part-time minister. In the New Testament, we are all in the full-time ministry, all led to lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We can all receive the equipment to do it, such as the call of God and being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing in the New Testament as laity or clergy. He was a church member, possibly a church worker, used by the Lord to point Saul in the right direction. He might have even had an occupation outside of the church, but he was so dedicated to the Lord, the Lord decided to use him in this case. And you'll hear the rest of it as soon as we come back from the break.
1: At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by His Spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bob Yannion explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament Commentary on Acts at BobYandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives.
0: Ananias is such a key character in the book of Acts, and again, the book of Acts is what we are offering today. This story is found here. In fact, he's so key that Paul later on referred to him, mentioned him by name, and no one even knew him, and that's the case we're having right now. Perhaps maybe that's what you think of yourself. Well, I may be you know, a disciple of the Lord, just love him, but how's God ever going to use me, or how will anybody get to know me? That is not what you're supposed to do. Just be faithful to serve God as Ananias was. And one day he was chosen by God to to direct a very chosen minister. You know, Paul later again, like I said, told of Ananias in this story in Acts chapter 22. Here we are in this particular chapter discussing this in Acts chapter nine, but in chapter 22... God wanted Saul to learn the value of just anyone who's dedicated to the Lord. Saul might have expected a minister sent from the Jerusalem church to lay hands on him, or better, Peter and John, two original disciples of Jesus Christ himself. This is the time when Saul was on the road to Damascus. He was going there, and so uh, the blinding light hit him, knocked him on the ground, and he couldn't see for quite a while. And so this man named Ananias was sent to him, and Saul happened to make it to a particular room. He was there, and he was praying before the Lord when Ananias entered in. God is basically saying this, a man's position and power or a woman's position and power before that person is born again is of no value to the Lord. We make big deals out of a football star being born again, a rock singer, an actor, things like that. And we somehow think we get them in the church. Man, if they give a testimony, we're gonna have people coming from everywhere. One thing you don't do with a brand new convert is put them in the pulpit. The Bible says not a novice that we should not put them there because they have no understanding of the word of God. The things that they may say don't even apply and they can confuse many, many people because why? We took the idea to place them in the pulpit, a place of value, a place of position that no one should be in unless they have come to the point where they're worthy of that by their simple dedication to the Lord and understanding of the word of God, faithfulness to attend church. God will spend a long time sweating out the background and pride of Saul of Tarsus And just as Moses learned humility in the backside of the wilderness, Saul, who became the apostle Paul, was unknown for 14 years and learning in Arabia after this incident we're going to talk about here in chapter 9 and God had to get to Saul, and he worked through an unknown person at that time. Like I said, Saul was probably expecting, okay, I've recognized this guy as the Lord that's talking to me. I'm now receiving him as my Savior, and listen, I'm so valuable. Oh, God's been looking at how much power I have, how much position I have. I'm in the newspaper all the time. They're always quoting me. I can really be used by God. I wonder who this guy is that's talking to me, and to find out later, he was a nobody in the body of Christ, but a somebody to God. He was in the background of the church, but he's in the forefront as far as God is concerned. Verse 11 of chapter 9 goes on to say, so the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. You'll find him praying. He was in Damascus, a Gentile country, going to seek out Christians and kill them. And the Lord says, I've got somebody I'm going to meet. And so I want you to meet. So the Lord said to him again, Arise and go the street called Straight. And the reason why is all streets in Damascus are curving round. There's only one street that's straight and they call it Straight. And he said, Go there, inquire at the house of Judas for one Saul of Tarsus, you'll find him praying. Like I said, Saul was still praying because he had not heard anything more from the Lord. In verse 12, he goes on to say, and in a vision, he saw a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so he might receive his sight. God even gave him the name of the person coming to him. His name is Ananias. You can't see him, but I have sent him. In the vision, God prepared both the one who would be prayed for and the one who would do the praying so that when they met together, they could both know they had been called by the Lord. God did this in chapter 10 later with Peter and Cornelius verifying he was on both ends. Peter had the housetop vision. Cornelius saw a vision, a man named Peter coming to him, and the two saw. God prepared both sides. Ananias tried to inform God of Saul's evil. Verse 13 and 14, the moment he heard that it was Saul of Tarsus he was gonna go pray for, it says in verse 13, Ananias answered, "'Lord, I have heard about many from this man, "'how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. "'And here, that's at Damascus, "'he has authority from the chief priest "'to bind all who call on your name. "'That might be me, Lord, "'and you're sending me into this trap.'" Ananias' answer is typical of many that God speaks to. He immediately tells God of the circumstances like God didn't know. Did he expect God to thank him for the information? The point is, no, God knows everything. God knows what he's doing. And in verses 15 and 16, the Lord said to him, go for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, before kings, the children of Israel. And I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. I love this. You know why? Because Ananias did not argue back. Ananias just went, okay, I trust you. This is why God chose Ananias. Not because he knew everything or questioned nothing. It was because when he did question and got an answer, he just believed it and went on his way. God told Ananias things that people would not see for over 15 years. He will carry the gospel to Gentiles, to Romans, and to Greeks. He will then carry the gospels to kings like Nero and Agrippa. Last, he will carry redemption to the people of Israel, the religious leaders of Gentile capitals and Jerusalem. Paul suffered for his ministry and died being beheaded. Verse 17, Ananias went his way. Just a minute, he said, okay, God, and went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, I like that. No matter how much evil I've heard about you, the Lord has told me you are now a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are a family member with me. No matter how much evil, no matter how many people you have killed, no matter how many children you have killed, no matter how many women you have killed, all in the name of you think God, and God has now approached you telling you're working against him, but now you have accepted him. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ forgives all sins. Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What a change in Ananias. He calls Saul brother. We have the first recorded New Testament case of laying on of hands by someone who's not in the fivefold ministry. And notice this, we were told in the Great Commission, we could lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and cast out devils. And we have here a recorded case of one believer laying hands on another believer and the way that was laying hands on them was not even in the fivefold ministry at all. He's just basically a nobody. Peter and John have laid hands on the Samaritans to receive the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8 and verse 17. But again, until now, no layman has used this ministry. This ministry is available to all believers, Mark 16, 18. And now we have in verse 18, immediately there fell scales from his eyes and he received sight at once and he arose and was baptized. Let's get some lessons from Ananias. In the New Testament, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to all believers. This is found here in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Again, I reiterate all believers, not just the prophets, the priests, and the kings of the Old Testament, every believer can now have it because the Holy Spirit came and landed on the day of Pentecost, and now he's been sent to, to land on all flesh. The Holy Spirit can guide or lead any believer to help or give instruction to another believer, no matter the status. Ananias might have been the only one who would go to Saul. The other ministers hated Saul or didn't trust him, but God led Ananias, an ordinary believer, by a vision, just as Peter received a vision on the housetop and Paul would later receive a vision to go to Troas. Paul later failed when he would not receive warnings from ordinary believers. Let me show this this. Paul received warnings here, and Paul received instruction from an ordinary believer. But Paul, after a while, came to a place where he was filled with personal pride. And God sent people to him telling him, you're going the wrong direction. In his own pride, in his own wisdom, even with the Holy Spirit instructing him not to return back to Jerusalem this last time, he kept saying, no, I'm going to go. And whenever he received warnings, he could even be killed. He said, I'm willing to give my life. Listen, to be a martyr is one thing, but to be a dumb, martyrs. The other thing, when God's telling you, don't do it. And God was telling him, don't do it. And so again, Paul later failed, because he wouldn't receive warnings from ordinary believers. He started his ministry this way with an ordinary believer named Ananias. He was first warned by ordinary believers in the streets not to go to Jerusalem. He did not listen. I mean, people came up to him and said, aren't you, Paul? He said, yes, the Holy Spirit's telling me you're not supposed to go to Jerusalem. And listen, this wasn't one person. It was more than one that came to him. You thought he would have said, you know, something's up here, Lord. I've had this before, that or that, ordinary man Ananias warned me and told me of things to come, and he was right on. Well, these people can be right on too, but no, he now is telling himself, no, I'm smarter than that. I think I can go, and the Holy Spirit will protect me, and I can protect myself. Next of all, Philip's four daughters, they were not prophetesses. It just said they did prophesy, and all four daughters told him, don't go to Jerusalem, but he didn't listen. Then his own team members, after hearing all of this, his own team members said, wait a minute. A minute, Paul. Maybe you shouldn't go. Maybe this is the Holy Spirit. And Paul corrected them. He instructed them. He chewed them out. And finally, God had to pull a big gun out, a known prophet named Agabus. And Agabus came and bound his hands in front of you, bound his feet and said, so shall the Jews do to you. Well, it really wasn't the Jews Ended up being the Romans that did it. But here we have an man named Agabus, a man known for his prophetic ability, known as the office of a prophet in the New Testament, and here he is instructing him and Paul still would not listen and said, I'm willing to die. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm willing to die for this. Again, noble, but stupid. If the Holy Spirit's telling you, don't go, don't go die and then claim, you know, uh valiantness in the whole thing, I'm going to see God. That is not what's supposed to happen. God is simply saying you can hear from anybody. I simply come back to this. You as a believer, are you willing to listen to anybody or do you have to see somebody that maybe is on the same level or statuses you are in the body of Christ and you make a bigger deal out of that than you need to be. When again, I have told you donkeys have corrected prophets in the New Testament. You may be being warned by an angel that's trying to instruct you and trying to help you. And you need to listen to God with all this that happened. Finally warned by the prophet Agabus saying the same thing, not to go to Jerusalem. Paul still said, I'm going to Jerusalem. And I wonder when he was in jail, if he remembered a man named Ananias that came to him in the beginning, a nobody, and told him what was going to happen. And he was directed by the Holy Spirit. And now we have the same man named Paul, not listening to the same thing from many mouths around him. It simply comes back to this. We're always prone to a defeat. Immediately after a great victory, we get a little arrogance in our head and we bypass the instructions from the Word of God. Be open to anybody who comes and listen to what they have to say, value it in the Holy Spirit, and then do it if it's from God.
1: See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com.